Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. After that, I don't know if it needs to be really good or really bad. I'm not sure after all those names. Everybody doing all right? Um, so, yeah, growth groups, uh, we, we put a lot of stock in growth groups uh, here at Springwell um, as far as discipleship, as far as connection, and um, so they're, they're really important. So we would love to, love to have you lead a group. It's not as hard as you think it is, and I'll actually walk you through every step of the way, so we'd love for you to do that. Um, for the next couple of weeks, as we um, head into Christmas, we're going to um, go through a couple, of, a couple of weeks of a series we're calling Blood. And basically, the idea of this series, the idea behind it, is to see how even before Christmas Day, even before the, the birth of Jesus in the New Testament, the birth of Jesus was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Because this, this book right here, there's, there's two parts to this book. The Old Testament, the before Jesus part, and the New Testament, the after Jesus part. And, but the thing is, is that even before Jesus came to earth as a person, it still all points to him. He is the pinnacle of the entire story from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about Jesus. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a look and see what we can learn from a couple of stories that foreshadow the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. How many of you would consider yourself an overthinker? Wow. Y'all are a lot more honest in the first service. I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us are. As a matter of fact, a couple weeks ago, I asked um, on Facebook uh, where most truth lives. Um, <laughs> anyway, I asked, if you're an overthinker, what are some of the things you overthink? And I got a bunch of comments, and here's, here's what some of the people said. They said, when someone doesn't respond to a text message, iPhone users, if you've ever gotten that thing where it has the three dots in the bubble where it means they're typing and then you wait for a while and then they, those dots stop, but you still haven't gotten the message and you're like, well, what were they thinking? Did they just type a whole paragraph and delete it, right? So we, over, we overthink that. Somebody, somebody else said, uh, I overthink uh, what someone really meant by what they said. Like, did they, I know they said that, but they kind of had this look on their face when they said it. Did they really mean that? And the thing is, is you don't think about it right then, you think about it later. Did, did they really mean that? Somebody else said purchases I make. I think I'm guilty of this one. So you have, have like buyer's remorse kind of thing. Um, like maybe I shouldn't have bought this or maybe I should have bought something different. Or did I go too cheap? Which typically the answer for me is yes. Did I go too cheap or should I, did I go too expensive? Do I need to return this? Buyer's remorse. Somebody else said, uh, I think, did I offend them? Did what I say offend them? Somebody else said anything I don't immediately understand. Makes sense. Somebody else said parenting, like you have no clue what you're doing, and so you kind of question everything that you do. Parents, how many times have, have you like done something, and then you think back on it, and you're thinking, this is the moment in counseling <laughs> they're going to come back to? Have you ever been there? And then somebody else just said, flat, I overthink everything. And, and here's why that's important, because I think 
overthinking, I think usually it's not the fact that we don't think. I think sometimes it's overthinking that leads to things like anxiety. I mean, just imagine if you could quit thinking what they think, what, they, what they're doing, what they look like, what you, if you could just quit overthinking, can you imagine how the anxiety would, would kind of go? I think for some of us, that's why we're tired. Because not only does overthinking keep you awake, but you wake up in the middle of the night, all you had to do was tinkle, but yet an hour later, <laughs> an hour later, you're still thinking about something that happened that day or something that's gonna, gonna happen later. It leads us to bad relationships. And the more people that I talk to, I think a lot of times overthinking is how you hold on to your shame. And so your past, you begin to think about, you begin to circulate through your mind, and you begin to think how the people that I was with, how God, how I, how all of that works together, and you overthink it instead of just understanding the simple act of God's grace. In fact, this overthinking thing, I think a lot of times we bring into our relationship with God and what we think about about God. For some of you in the room this morning, you haven't accepted Jesus, and one of the reasons why you haven't is because you've overthought what it meant and overthought what it required. And so you've been waiting until I have enough money, you've been waiting until I kick that habit, you've been waiting until I feel like this, until I feel a certain way, you've, been, so you've even made the statement, if I go, if, if I go to church, then the, the, the walls will fall down. Some of y'all have made that statement. You, you've, you've overthought what it meant. And some of you, you've been in church a long time, and you're overthinking too because you have taken the simple grace of God and you've added things to it that you've heard over the years. Meanwhile, the central message of the grace of Jesus has gotten lost. And so now you don't have any freedom because you're always trying to manage all of the do's and all of the don'ts and say the right words and read the right Bible passages and memorize the right scriptures and get to church on time. Wait, y'all don't do that. But you're trying to... <coughs> I didn't do that first service. That's a good one. But you're, 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 trying to, you're trying to get everything right. And so what you're doing is you're diluting the freedom and the grace that Jesus has for you. My hope today is that we can see the simplicity in God's love and see the freedom that it can bring. It's a really simple message this morning. It's just, I'm just calling it Keep It Simple. There's, there's an acronym that says KISS. I just took off the last word of that. In the Old Testament... God's chosen nation, the Israelites, went through a cycle that I think a lot of us go through, even if we've accepted Christ. I think a lot of us go through this cycle. Just to kind of set it up for you in case you don't have a lot of experience in church, the Israelites are God's chosen nation. God always wanted a relationship with his people. So it gets broken, and so he chooses this nation of Israel. He says, these are going to be my people. I'm going to bless them. Well, through some of their own disobedience, the Israelites find themselves in slavery in Egypt. Egypt is ruled by an evil ruler named Pharaoh. He's, he's evil. As a matter of fact, he's kind of recently, before we started this story, he's kind of upped the ante. They were slaves. They had to do a certain thing. Well, now he said, I'm going to give you less materials and you're going to have to do even, even more. But God hears the cries of the Israelites as they're in slavery, just like, just like he always hears your cry. God hears the cries of his people and he calls a man named Moses to be the Israelites' leader. And he tells Moses, I'm going to let you, you're going to lead these people to the land that I'm promised them. It's going to have some good stuff, and you're going to lead them. After some argument, because Moses doesn't feel worthy, he finally says, okay, and God says, I want you to go to this evil ruler, Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to let my people go, because I want them to go to another land and to worship me. So Moses has some reservations, but he does it. And the Bible says that he does it nine times. Each time, Pharaoh tells Moses no. Moses continues to go to Pharaoh. Even though he says 
No, the Israelites continue to remain slaves. Some of you this morning, whether you realize it or not, you're a slave. Not slave like you would typically think about it, but you are enslaved. You are entrapped by something like overthinking. You are entrapped. Some of you, because you've never accepted Christ, you are trapped in this, in, in this, in this entrapment of never having fulfillment, never feeling like you're good enough, always feeling like there's something missing. Many of you today, you find yourselves where the Israelites are in this story. You're slaves. You're slaves to fear. You're slaves to your past. You're, you're, you're slaves to the things that people say about you. You are slaves. But here's the good news, and here's what I came to tell you today, is that God never wanted you to live in slavery. God wanted you to live in freedom. The people in this room that have been believers for a while, and you feel like all of the do's and all of the don'ts have left this cloud of achievement over you, I want you to know that God says you live in freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set, set you free, says Galatians. For some of you in the room this morning, you feel like there's something missing, and that missing thing is a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know that there is freedom, and it's available to you today, just like the Israelites. Many of us today, we find ourselves enslaved. The interesting thing about the Israelites is that being in slavery was led by the choices that they made. Some of you, you call your, yourself a Christian, and you are, and nothing can take that away. But you're enslaving yourself by the choices you're making. By the choices you're making relationally, financially, by the choices you're making in, in how you spend your free time, with the choices you're making in that female at work who's not your wife. You're enslaving yourself by the choices you're making Others of you in this room, you are not a believer in Jesus. And so you're enslaved to sin. You see, at the very beginning, if you flip back to the very beginning of the Bible, the first few pages of the Bible, God has created the world. He's placed Adam and Eve in the middle of this. It gives a beautiful picture of this garden, and literally they're in constant conversation with God. But because love requires a choice, right? If, 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 if your spouse didn't have a choice whether to love you or not, that wouldn't really be love. And so God, God puts this tree in the middle of the garden. He says, I got to give you a choice because I really want you to love me. I really want this relationship to be real. He says, you can have all of this stuff, but don't eat of this tree. What did Adam and, do? Adam and Eve do? They ate of that tree. And the Bible says at that moment, the world became off balance. The world fell and us as humans fall. And so now, that's why you don't have to teach a baby to be selfish. That's why you don't have to teach little boys to fight over what they want. That's why you don't have to teach your child that I want more and to be greedy. Because at the fall of man, at the very beginning of the book of Genesis, we all fail. And so we are enslaved to sin without Jesus. That's the Israelites find themselves enslaved. So my question this morning is, where are you enslaved but you don't even realize it is it because you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're always trying to fulfill you're always trying to solve this something that's deep down inside of you but you've never been able to do it is it because you have a desire to please others and that's tough because then you're always guessing is it because you have a habit that you know is not good for you is it because you have an addiction that you've sworn you would get past, but you've never taken the step of going to celebrate recovery or, or getting some help. Is it because you've isolated yourself? 
Where are you enslaved and you don't even know it? God's desire was never for us to live in slavery. He wanted us to live in freedom. And that's why, here's the good news. I'm making the turn, y'all. It's not sad from here on out. That's why he provided the sacrifice. So, Moses begins to hear from God and begins to lead these Israelites. And this is what it says in Exodus 12, verse 3. God talking to Moses. He says, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. These, specific, these get specific. Verse four, if any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. Having taken to, into account the number of people there are, you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be your old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or, or the goats. Do you see where this is headed? Do you see how this is foreshadowing Jesus? Because effective sacrifices like this one that the Israelites are about to make, effective sacrifices must be spotless. And so what God is saying is he's telling Moses, he's saying, I'm going to send one more plague. I'm going to send one more plague on these people. And what's going to happen is I'm going to come through and every firstborn of everything is going to die. I know it seems extreme, but it was a different time, different culture before Jesus. He says, but every, the firstborn of everything is going to die. And the only way to get freedom, to get out of slavery, is you have to sacrifice this unblemished animal. Do you see why you can't save yourself? Do you see why you can't think and, 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 and manipulate your way to, to living in freedom and to having freedom forever? Because spot, it must be spotless. I think one of the reasons we overthink things, and I think one of the reasons why we get really confused by life, whether we're a believer or not, is because we inherently know that in order to get something good, I have to give up something. It's the way the world works, isn't it? If you want a Snickers bar, you've got to give up $2, right? Is that, is that, that's a little pricey, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway, but in order to get something good, if I'm going to get some chicken wings, I've got to give something up, right? In order to get something good, I've got to give something up. And so I think whether you, whether you believe this Jesus thing or not, I think you inherently know this. And so, in other words, in order to satisfy the longings of my soul, the depths of my heart, in order to satisfy that, I have to give something up. And so that's why you overthink it. That's why you try to do the right things. That's why you want all of your relationships to be peaceful. That's why you think, what did they think? And what did they say? And what did I say? And why aren't they responding? And why are those bubbles there? And what does that gift mean? That's why you think all those things, because there's, there's just is something that you know that you have to fill that spot in, in, inside of you. We inherently, we inherently know this. And so you try. You try to be good enough. You try to be sure everybody's okay with you. you try to make enough people happy. You try to kind of live through your kids, all trying to fulfill this longing. But that doesn't Work. The answer for that, that thing inside of every one of us, is the sacrifice. The sacrifice is our segue to freedom. And it's only through the sacrifice that do you get eternity forever celebrating with Jesus. And it's only through the sacrifice you get to experience freedom right 
now and know no matter what happens to me, no matter what they think, no matter what hell breaks out around me, I am safe and I am free because of the sacrifice of Jesus. It's only through the sacrifice. Quit trying. Don't get lazy, but quit trying. Quit trying to fulfill that longing because it's not going anywhere. So God continues to speak to Moses. Is that me? So God continues to speak to Moses. He gives specific measures in which they are to eat this sacrificial, sacrificial animal. Then Moses delivers the message to his people. Verse 21. It says, Then Moses summoned all of the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and both sides of the doorframe. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. Now, there's a beautiful picture here that you would miss if you just read this or if we just read this passage in church or if you read it at home. So they're taking these hyssop. Hyssop plants are really flimsy plants. But the idea here is, and what Moses is saying is he's saying, I want you to take these hyssop plants, these flimsy little things, and I want you to dip it in the blood. And I want you to put... I want you to put some across the top of the doorframe. Keep in mind, this isn't crown molding, but I want you to put some across the top of the doorframe, and then I want you to put some across, down both sides. And so what would happen is as they dipped the hyssop plant, the flimsy plant, and they painted it and rubbed it across the top and down both sides, as the blood ran, do you see where this is going? As the blood ran, it would form crosses on both sides of the the doorframe. And the reason why I love that is because it's like 1,500 years, whatever it is, in this story. It's like Jesus is saying, I'm coming for you. Like eventually you won't have to do all this because the ultimate sacrifice is coming. And so what we see is we see these crosses on both sides of the door. And then Jesus later says, I am the door. So even at this point in Scripture, Jesus is saying, I've got a plan. I'm coming for you. And I, I love that he uses these flimsy hyssop plants because that's ultimately how many of you feel like your life is. It's just flimsy. Some of you feel like you're one thought, one day away from losing it all. One thought away from your mind spinning out of control to the point of no return. One bad day from losing everything you had ever hoped for because it seems like it's teetering so much. Your life feels flimsy. And no matter what you do, you're running from thing to thing. No matter what you do, you can't stabilize it. I love the picture that we get here. What, 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 what God is saying is he's saying, I will take that flimsy, messed up life of yours and with my perfect sacrifice, you'll be free. I'm sorry, that gets me excited. So Moses continues. It says, when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the door frames and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter the houses and strike you down. If you have a Bible with you, if you have a Bible app, highlight that, see the blood. Because that is so freeing for some of you. 
Those of, those of you that are, that, that, that are living in your shame and in your past and, and you're trying to put on this fake facade and you're even trying to fool God at this point, I want you to know that if you have a relationship with Jesus, he sees the blood, he does not see your past. When he looks at you, he looks at you through the eyes of the blood of Jesus. He doesn't see, he doesn't see what you've done. He doesn't see what has entrapped you, what has enslaved you. He sees the blood and he's saying, move on. He says they will, They'll, they'll see the blood. That leads to being saved. Leads to safety. So Moses continues, verse 29. He says, at midnight. What does midnight make you think of? Anybody? Come on, talk back. Sleep? Dark? No hope? Gone, end of the day, end of everything, desperation. Anybody else? You also think about what your mom always told you, nothing good happens after midnight, right? It, it means there's, there's no hope. It means you're out of options. It, it, it means tiredness. It means, it means, it means d- depression. As a matter of fact, some of you feel like you're right there right now, don't you? You feel like it's midnight because you've been living in this cloud and in this darkness for so long. You feel like it's midnight. Maybe you got the foreclosure notice. Maybe the record backed up this week. Maybe, maybe they sent the, sent the divorce papers. Maybe you got one more diagnosis on top of what you had already had. Maybe it's a family member and they got the diagnosis. Some of you, you feel like this right now. But here's what I want you to know. The next verse is coming. The rest of this verse is coming. Because oftentimes God's greatest miracles happen when you're at your darkest moments. Did you catch that? Oftentimes, God's greatest miracles, if you need him to show up and do something today, if you need him to do something that you have no idea how it's going to get done and it feels dark, you have perfect timing. A lot of times, I think we blame midnight on Satan. Sometimes I think midnight is... A chance for God to remind us who sets the clock. And midnight means morning's coming. That's what's going to be the story, the story here. Rest of verse 29 says, The Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well, Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was loud wailing in Egypt for there was not a house without someone dead. I know it seems extreme. Verse 31 says, During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go and worship the Lord as you requested. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said and go. And I love this part. And, and bless me. It's like, Get out of here. Get out of here, you dirty scoundrels, and bless me for you. That's what, that's what Pharaoh says. So the sacrifice is the thing that took them from slavery to being led off to freedom and safety. It was only by that sacrifice. I love that they got out of Dodge when this happened. Some more stuff would happen later. 
But for some of you who are struggling in shame, do you think these Israelites looked back at their past and said, hey, Pharaoh, give us, give us 10 minutes. We're trying to think of all the things that have happened over the last few years. Do you think they did that? No, they ran to freedom. Some of you this morning quit thinking about your past. Run to freedom. If you're a believer in Christ, know that you are free. If you're not a believer in Christ, know that the sacrifice has already been paid for you. You just got to pick it up. The gift is sitting right in front of you. All you have to do is open it. Fast forward some 13, 1400 years. Jesus would come as the ultimate Passover lamb. He was born of a virgin, so he was half God, or full, fully God, fully man. It had to be that way. He's born, spends 33 years on earth of spotless perfection. He dies, gives up his life, and then he raises from the tomb. But the night before Jesus would die, he gathers with some of his best friends in a room. As a matter of fact, they're celebrating Passover. That, that's what this would become known as. They're celebrating this whole paying the blood over the door thing, which they still do. And this is what Jesus would say in Luke 22, verse 20. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So Jesus would make it simple, right? He would, he would make it simple. He loves us enough to keep it simple. Basically what Jesus is saying is he's saying, before you are enslaved to sin, you're slave to your own whelms, you're slave to, to fulfilling your life yourself. He came as the perfect sacrifice and he says, if you'll just believe in me, I'm gonna fulfill everything we've talked about. He says, if you'll just put your faith and your trust in me, I will be the unblemished animal. I will be the one that allows you to, to escape death forever. Some of you need to make that decision this morning. Melissa and I, we have, a, we have a five-year-old. Obviously, you would have never heard me preach if you didn't know that because I tell a Riley story every time. I don't do that on purpose, by the way. It's just there's a lot of stories when you're raising a child. He, he's always, he's always kind of struggled with reflux and allergies. He was a preemie. And so when he was about a year, year and a half old, he was kind of hiccuping and He'd been stuffy. And so one day, we're laying him down on the changing table, and he kind of makes this noise, and, you know, it, it literally sounds like it's about to blow. You know what I mean? And so we, we lean him up, trying to, trying to help maybe the reflux or whatever, help things, things go back. Well, about the time we leaned him up, and I don't mean to be gory, but I am, literally, stuff comes out of everywhere his nose his mouth i swear it came out of his ears at one point he throws up on everything the changing table the floor as a matter of fact when we moved we left it there i cleaned it as much as i could he threw up on everything the wall literally hit me right here all over everything he is filthy in his own mess now what do you think as his father what do you think i did do you think i threw him a towel, gave, pulled some paper towels off and said, here, I'll pick you up if you'll clean yourself off. Do you think I did that? No, 
I grabbed him as soon as I could so he wouldn't fall off the changing table. I grabbed him. As a matter of fact, that's why he threw up on my chin. I grabbed him. I picked him up. I swooped him off. I made him feel safe, and then I cleaned him off. Your heavenly Father treats you the same way. You don't have to come to him perfect. You can come to him in your own mess, and he will do the cleaning. You don't have to. That's how much he loves you. He says, I know what you did last night. I know what you did this morning. I know, I know what you said to that coworker. I, I, I know the things you've been drinking and what you've been doing. I know, but you don't have to be perfect to come to me. Allow your Father to pick you up, and then I will clean you off as we walk together. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment. If you're in here in this, in this room this morning, you have never experienced that fulfillment that only comes through Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and you're like, I've got to do something. I can't, I can't provide the sacrifice. I've been trying to do enough. I've been trying to be good enough. I've been trying to fill this spot. But now I realize I just need Jesus. If that's you, in the quietness of this moment, we say, Jesus mess I may not look it but on the inside I'm a mess I know it sounds crazy but for some reason I believe what he's telling me I don't know all the details but I believe that you provided the perfect sacrifice I believe you died I believe you rose so today I confess that you're my Lord I know I've messed it up I want to be I want to be saved. I don't want to be a slave anymore. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, if you just prayed that prayer with me, would you just slip your hand up? Nobody's going to look at you funny. Awesome. If you just prayed that and slipped your hand up, could you do us a favor? Fill out the connection card you got on the way in. You can leave that at the information desk. God, thank you so much for your sacrifice that we could never earn. And God, I do pray for the people that are overthinking, for the people that are looking for fulfillment in every other place. Lord, that they would quit overthinking and that they would just surrender. Thank you, Jesus, that I didn't have to clean up, but you took me in my mess.